Hi, Fiona. Hi, Gemma. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on the Times. Um, So this is um, the first episode that I'm doing. And it's going to be, like I said, just really talking all about lockdown and being a first-time mummy. Um, I know for me, what's what's inspired me to make this is that I've just found it so challenging and hard. Um, And yeah, it's just been nice to speak to, you know, other mums out there and other... Hi, Fiona. Thanks for coming on the Earliest Times. Um, Yeah, we're going to be chatting all about being a first-time mummy in lockdown, um, as we both have lockdown babies. Um, So yeah, I'm super excited. This is um, the first episode um, for the Earliest Times. Um, Yeah, and it's come about really just because I found being a mum first time mum really overwhelming in general especially in those first few you know postpartum months Mm. um but even more overwhelming um you know I think because of lockdown and just personally feeling really I just think isolated from from you know not seeing friends and family and I think you mentioned that you've just moved back to the UK actually and I've also just done the same (laughs) Um, and I guess that's another stress thing, isn't it? Sort of moving house and moving areas can be really, really one of the biggest things you do and then add in having a baby. Yeah, I think we did pretty much all of the top five, apart from getting married, we did all of the top five in the space of, a, you know, a few months. <laughs> where, where did you move from? Uh, we were in the, in the US. Oh, wow, okay. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Was it like family that made you like want to come back here or like what was sort of the reason for, for moving? Um, well, we were working a job which wasn't um, wasn't something we were good, weren't going to stay in it long term. Um, so we were kind of looking at what was next anyway. And um, then I found out that we were pregnant. And so we just made the decision um, rather than kind of scraping around trying to find the next thing quickly to suit um you know visa restrictions and and everything whilst being pregnant and having that uncertainty that actually maybe it would be better to come back and have an nhs baby for free without the you know thirty five thousand dollar price tag on it and um i just felt a lot of peace about returning whether that's long term, short term, we weren't sure at the time. We didn't know if it might just be come back and sort of have the baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so not not really. No, it was a number of circumstances, but more of a push to coming back just because we realised that the NHS, having lived out there for a few years and seen how much people have to pay and the problems they end up with. Yeah, absolutely. It makes you so grateful, doesn't it? I think like being British. Um... And yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you're British as well, yeah? I am. Yeah, so it's just amazing, I think, like just realising this amazing framework we have here, like the NHS. And even though I think in the past, obviously, I think 
it's had its flaws in a lot of way, ways, but I think lockdown has, I think hopefully made everyone appreciate all these key services. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely proud, I think, you know, to be, to be British at the moment, I think, and having come back to the UK from, from I was in Germany, um, and I, a bit like yourself, I mean, I was having to pay for all sorts of things as well in terms of healthcare, and it just adds up, doesn't it? I mean, having a, having a baby. Yeah. Um, and well, I couldn't even find a midwife, actually. <laughs> and and that, that was really challenging. You had to find your own midwife. Um, oh, and uh, interview them or something? <laughs> well, it's weird because if you don't speak, I mean, obviously in the States, I guess English, obviously, you know, is the spoken language. But I mean, in Germany, I found that, you know, not many people speak English. And actually, it was quite hard to try and find sometimes um, just accessing services, um, not speaking fluent German myself. Um, yeah, I think it's easy to think that the US and the UK speak the same language. <laughs> the longer we live there, the, the more we realise that it's definitely still a foreign country with a very foreign culture um, in many ways. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. You have to. Um, it's a lot easier to communicate your needs when you can speak the same speak the same language. Yeah, so like I think also a lot of a lot of terrible things that have been going on in the US since we left so we keep looking at the news and just thinking it's good to be back on UK soil like we're safe here. <laughs> Definitely now I feel the same way um so going on that like, how was you how was the birth with lockdown and just like being back in the UK like you said in the NHS did you feel like supported um or like with lockdown was it really challenging like were you able yeah, to have so the birth I, you I actually got back at 15 weeks so I hadn't had any, all I knew was that test result on the test that I took in the gym changing rooms before um, before, <laughs> before class at the gym. That's all I had in the US. So when we got back, I was 15 weeks, I hadn't seen anybody. Um, I just assumed that I was still pregnant. I felt pregnant. So um, they got me in for a scan really, really quickly. And that was pretty urgent within a few days. I had a booking appointment, um, but obviously, I mean, we, we got back out two days before official, official lockdown version one. And my husband was not allowed to come to anything with me. He wasn't able to come to the scans. He wasn't able to come to any appointments and be really involved in that. So that was a real, that was the first thing that just really um, kind of took us by, by surprise. Thinking, oh, this isn't going to be a normal pregnancy. Um, it was a shame but also you know you understand but a lot of the a lot of the rules were quite inconsistent so that was that was the challenging part um that the the restrictions and the rules they put in place didn't really add up and make sense um i'll give you an example in a minute but um the actual birth was brilliant the midwives were amazing it was streamlined it was textbook had contractions Mm -hmm. at home went in went into the birthing unit um, he was allowed in with me because I was in established labour. Um, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's really good. Right? Yeah. Done. And they were brilliant. They, they weren't very busy. So they allowed us to stay um, and have our little room overnight until into the next afternoon. Well, just making sure he was feeding properly. And, and that was just, we were so grateful for that. But actually a couple of weeks before that, um, he was two weeks late. So just around his due date, I went into hospital with um what can only be described as stomach exploding agony um i remember I that really well <laughs> passed out, i passed out yeah. in the car on the way oh, no. 
into hospital I lost my sight I couldn't see anything I was going as um my husband rushed me in at about five in the morning and I mean obviously you the first thing you're thinking about when you're pregnant is it's is it the baby is it the baby is it the baby is it the baby mm-hmm. and you don't know what is going on so I was really psyched I was you know it was fear it was panic it was pain the pain was excruciating but it wasn't lay it didn't feel like labor pains it wasn't coming and going it was it was in my stomach mm-hmm. so I felt like my stomach was rupturing or something and um when we got there we caught I spoke to him on the phone and they told us to come in and uh, went straight to the maternity assessment unit and they wouldn't let my husband in um and I was, I was like I'm not going in without him we didn't know what was going on we didn't know if the baby was still alive I was literally rolling on the floor in agony while they had an argument about whether to let him in or not eventually it was horrendous you don't need that do you when you're in that amount of pain you just need the people close to you like with you holding your hand or just check my baby's okay eventually after they were all consulting with each other they let they let us in um and then there was an argument over where his mask was before they even saw me to the point where I just had I just kind of lifted up my head and was like are you serious <laughs> will you please and um it yeah, they, they did see me eventually and do all the odds and everything was fine and no one knew what the problem was and I think maybe baby's foot was in my stomach or something yeah <laughs> oh that's so reassuring though like, like mm panicked like horrendous experience with that on top of it was just can people just not use their common sense and we did have a formal apology in the end from the head of mm-hmm. midwifery who called me the next day and reassured me that you know they would speak to the midwives but she said they've just been drumming it into people masks 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 but where's the common sense when someone's in front of you who needs urgent attention and just having an argument and they all they could have done is just gone and picked them up and mask off the, mm-hmm. the desk in reception which they actually did in the end and it's oh good lord but yeah but anyway. i mean like the thing is like i I, th- I think the main thing is that like people in this role i mean have things like empathy you know and and can can just sympathize with you in that moment and really be there for you and not think about the practicalities you know of, of masks and things like that you know when you're in what you know it's an emergency situation almost when your stomach was like that you know it could have been really serious you don't know that do you you just need to no, reassure any idea, no. like you have no idea what to expect when you're going into labor or yeah like you said pains can come and go but um you know you really don't know and I think the one thing for me as well like I learned so much hypnobirthing in my pregnancy I spent so many you know hours reading books on it and trying to really get calm but like, like you mentioned, actually, when I walked in and I had my experience in the hospital, actually, some staff around me also weren't particularly calm. And actually, that completely threw me off guard. Um, it got me out of the rhythm of almost like, uh, you know, that calm space that you put, that, that you want to be in for you and your baby. Um, and it's out of your hands, really, isn't it? You know, that sometimes, you know, you're, you're trusting these people. We were just so grateful that he wasn't born for another two weeks after that. And they reassured us, they said that your experience will not be like this when you come in to have your baby. Like, we're mm-hmm. so sorry. Um, we can promise you that um, that you'll be treated differently and we don't want this to put you off your, for your experience. You know, it was a bit of a worry that are they going to not let him in or are they going to do something like that if there's, a, if there's an emergency. But fortunately, everything, like I said, went absolutely fine and the midwives were just gorgeous and 
lovely. Ah, I okay. really involved him because something I had noticed um, was they would speak to me, but not to him. Like in in Monks Women in Hospital before. Um, but the other thing I was going to say, the inconsistency was we had we had to take the little one in when he was about ten weeks old um, into the emergency room, and um, they only let one of us in. And um, you know, when when there's when you're super super panicked about the health of your your baby, you want to both be with them in case something terrible happens. I don't want to be making a phone call out into the car park to say, oh, by the way, yeah, so he died. Like, in what world is that? Is that okay? Both parents should be with their child at all times. Um, and they they kept saying to us, oh, that's okay. If you want to switch over, you can go and switch. We're like. Well, how does that protect the NHS? You're still going to have the same viral load. You're still going to have two people going in there. They're just not allowed in at the same time. Like that yeah. is just barbaric. I so, think also as well, like, you know, how board. does that... You can't get on board with every restriction and every rule. Some of them you can because they make sense. But the ones that don't like that just make, make you just want to give up and not respect any of the rules at all. Yeah, I think, you know being professionals in the early years field you know obviously um you you know you know the bonding the first days the first weeks you know the first months you know the f- even the first three years I mean that's really what's out there are so important and you know um it's important for yeah you know your the parents both parents I mean um, I'm, I'm a single mom myself but obviously um you, you know if there is both parents there they should be able to come in and, and do that um, it's really important, you know, that that bonding and that, that time and it helps your recovery as well, doesn't it, really? It was more just if something happened to him, you he needs both of his... We need to both be there for us, but, yeah, like you said, he needs, he needs his mummy. Yeah, and I guess, I guess your baby has gone into hospital. I mean, um, I'm so glad everything was okay. Yeah. Was it just one of those sort of situations? Like, I mean, what happened? Uh, we just had... Um, we had a little incident at home we needed to get him seen too mm-hmm. yeah, I mean this happens doesn't it this is the thing and then you just want to be reassured um, it's tough it's mm. tough because this stuff plays on your mind doesn't it at the end of the day it's it's all your experience um, following the birth and it's it's really tough all these challenges that you that you're facing that we're all facing really in this lockdown it's tough how, I mean, how are you, how are you finding um, like things like not having like classes face to face and things like that? You know, um, are, you, are you finding the online world okay to sort of navigate around? Yeah, for help I mean, I don't think I would have gone to. Do you mean like a anti postnatal that sort of thing? I don't. I don't think I would have gone to an antenatal class. Um, my brother actually bought me some online sessions with one of his friends who's a midwife and they were absolutely brilliant. That wasn't because it was lockdown. She just, that was just her service anyway. Um, and I watched those and I read a lot of books. So I was quite happy doing all the research on my own. And then also I had um, about four or five friends who were going through pregnancy at the same time as me. So um we've just got that's really got good one, having that one left no what two left to have their babies but um we you know it's it's been an experience that i've actually been able to share been really really lucky to share with people and all our babies being born like quite close together so i've 
just bounced ideas off of them and there's Facebook forums and to be honest I've probably gathered more information having not had that face-to-face experience than I would have done so yeah that didn't really yeah too much. I think that's what I was getting at like the influence of social media I think now I think more than ever you know because it, it is one of the only ways you can really you know connect with lots of other mums and people I was was wondering you know if you found it sort of you know too overbearing almost you know that there's so much um there's so much information out there mm. uh, I think you so can always find information to support what you believe like you can always find an opinion that matches your own so you have to be really really careful to get a well-rounded view on anything and I think um what's been really good is reading the official science reading the recommendations reading all the pediatric um, information but then also having the forums to 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 look at as well because when you're saying your baby should do this and they should do this and then you read everyone else's isn't it's a bit it's more reassuring to be like okay that's how, yeah, that's how they think... say it's recommended but not yeah it's not the same for absolutely everybody and I think um everybody being vulnerable about their struggles I think there's more of a culture now that people can say yeah I'm not doing okay and it's not seen as a weakness it's seen as that vulnerability is seen as strength and having community support and I've never known community support like mums everybody just encouraging each other and reassuring each other and saying yeah my baby's the same they do this they do that so I've um I found that really handy it is amazing isn't it I think this mum community out there and yeah I I think the same I think mental health you know is something now that's moving in the right direction people are talking about it more and that's so healthy you know to be even for children now growing up it's so important for them to learn about emotions um I mean even now with my baby since he was you know really young if I'm feeling happy or sad I'm (laughs) I'm always sort of saying your mummy's feeling happy and I'll smile you know even though he's not understanding um just using that like language with him just it sounds silly really but I talk to him all the time about everything I mean even if I'm you know putting my shoes on or mummy's putting her shoes on you know and I sort of point and I think in some ways that is you know I think it may helps me feel um sometimes you know better like because do you feel guilty I feel if like... you leave a um if you leave a awkward silence I feel really guilty. I feel like I have to, I mean, I've never sung so much in all my life. Almost everything I say. <laughs> I completely relate to that, yeah. Everything's a song. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I had a client recently who is um, a child language development specialist, and she said that sometimes they have to remind the parents to actually speak to their babies. I was like, you are kidding me. That yeah, is phenomenal. Sure. Like, I feel so awful if I even drive somewhere and I don't chat to him in the car. Or yeah. anything. I just da, 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 da. I must be bored of my life. But yeah, I'm the same as you. you. Talk through everything and you point to stuff. And you go, I just couldn't imagine not communicating. <laughs> it it sounds like you're doing like all the amazing things. And I think you're like like you said, I mean, I've always assumed that as well. It would be like the natural thing to do that. But obviously, you know, um it's hard sometimes, you know, when you're really exhausted or you're really tired or you just don't know really, you know, because Obviously, babies are learning the communication via you by communicating yeah. with them. So that's how they're picking up, you know, their language and they're developing. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, nursery rhymes in itself. I, being in my my job in the early years, I've always been used to singing, you know, lots of songs. But you know, sometimes I'm even bored, you know, because <laughs> I sing them so much. 
um, you know, luckily there's some good channels out there. I mean, I don't know if you've um, you've heard of uh, this really good one I've been listening to, Hey Bear, uh, which is like a sensory one. Um, and they've got all these different ones, but they've got one, My Baby Roulette, which is like fruit and vegetables. Um, so you've got like broccoli and you've got, it's so silly, like dancing vegetables and fruits. I don't know if there's a link, but, you know, since I've played it like every day at mealtimes, he really is eating all of his green <laughs> vegetables. I mean, you know, he eats broccoli, he eats kale, he eats spinach. And, oh, wow. you know, it's so silly. I, I, I mean, it's so silly that, that I'm thinking, is this because of that, you know, everyday video? Um, originally, he just liked the dancing, anim- you know, uh, dancing um, vegetables and fruits. They also have ones with animals and rainbows and stuff. And I just vary it. But yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's good for them as well because it's sensory. You know, it's all different colours, um, you know, and babies usually see things like red quite a lot and green anyway at this sort of, particularly the four month stage, like your little one. So it's all using those sort of colours. I've just been playing in uh, country music. Hopefully that doesn't mean he'll be <laughs> necking uh, whiskey at meal times instead. <laughs> We haven't quite got to <laughs> we haven't quite got to sitting him in front of shows yet. Like we'll you know, if we're watching something he'll generally be mesmerised by the screen, but I'm sure there'll come a time when I need to pop him in front of some something. It's normally just toys and and bits and pieces that we What sort of things are you using like toy wise at the moment? Like do you have sort of like um you know, sort of wooden toys or like you know, have you got a certain style of like toys you get? A little bit of everything really, just because we haven't really Mm. bought him anything. It's all just been things that have been passed to us from other people. I'm a big fan of recycling. I made a, a commitment at the beginning to um get everything either off Facebook Marketplace or um, donated and not buy anything new apart from the mm-hmm. essentials which you know things you can't buy you can't get secondhand uh, it wouldn't be healthy for him um so just a load of jingle toys toys um instruments crackly things um sometimes i just place an object in front of him <laughs> and just like, yeah. explore it and realize that you don't even need toys um the one of my they really don't need toys like i mean literally i mean my baby would literally be happy with just um cds on a shelf throwing them off at the moment or trying to pull at someone's socks or you know (laughs) it's so silly like you can have all these toys but honestly really especially in my experience children really just can be happy with something like a box and make something out of it i started putting too many in front of him to begin with and realized that he was getting super overwhelmed um but now i just pop Mm -hmm. one there um again just that kind of guilt like i want him to have a really good time and experience everything and then realizing actually he just needs that one like thing to hold or whatever but one thing that's been brilliant is a friend gave us one of those mitts that you um can velcro around their hand it's a teething mitt and he's not actually ah, yeah, teething yet one of those. they're really good i think he's yeah, teething yeah. yet but every obviously everything goes in the mouth and it's brilliant because it can't fall off so i'd have to keep picking it up and giving it to him <laughs> And he just Does he pull it off? Because my little one's it on on. himself and scrunches it with the other yeah, hand, yeah, yeah. And bites it, and waves it around, and looks at it, and it's brilliant. Yeah, that's been. Does he pull it off by any chance? Because my, my my baby's got one of those, and he's constantly pulling it off where he was when he was using it. Maybe if I don't velcro it, would he not enough? But generally, um, generally it's okay. Yeah, he's that's that's it really. Just lots of things that make noise and squishy things and just try and give him a range of and then not worry too much if I don't have a toy on hand just let him 
touch and feel whatever's um whatever's around him really yeah is he laughing yeah oh my goodness yeah <laughs> from i mean probably about five weeks we got his first smile and then from about eight weeks it's just non-stop i cannot tell you how grateful i am to have a baby that laughs at literally everything everything's funny brilliant that's, that's going to be his first word funny like, <laughs> is it funny is that funny it's just everything is a chuckle you just make eye contact and he's yeah like, or he pulls his sock off and you're like oh cheeky <laughs> and I think it makes you laugh more doesn't mum doesn't it as well I, I found myself laughing just with him when it, you know all the time yeah. which is great for it's you know so I think this joy. just emotional well-being I know there is so much joy isn't there um in being in being a mum I think just be, being a first-time mum it is incredible you know this in some ways it's it's completely obviously turns your life upside doesn't it you don't have that freedom anymore just to sort of you know walk out the front door without thinking of <laughs> what you need to bring constantly but um me, it's a good thing you're so cute it's a good thing you <laughs> smile so much it's a good thing you laugh so much <laughs> true there's love there's no love like it really um it's tough but i mean saying that i don't know about yourself but i mean you know there is a lot of challenges in the postpartum days i mean um for Zach, you know, he's been really, really suffering with teething. He's got seven teeth at the moment. Um, and he's been getting them constantly since he was around six months. And it just feels like it's never ending. Um, and I think it has been helpful having these, you know, support sites out there, mum sharing tips. But, you know, I've tried I've tried a lot of things. Um, I've tried, you know, the, the Ambersol and I've tried different teething gels. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've tried putting things in the fridge, um, like toys. Um, yeah, and, and I've got so many toys, you know, like a whole bucket of them, really. I just bought so many different ones and just things aren't working. I give paracetamol and ibuprofen, but you know, he just, it's really impacted sleep actually. Um, and I think these are the things that I felt really unprepared for, even though I am an early years professional, you know, I've worked with children a long time. Um, you know, I've never been a mum, of course, yeah, but um, had it 24/7. I never had it 24-7, exactly. And I didn't really realise, um, you know, you see all these uh, happy stories all the time, the pictures out there online and, you know, how, how glamorous it all looks. And, <laughs> you know, no one really prepared me for having a baby that had, which which is what he's had, the teething combined with silent reflux. Um, you know, and those two things... Um, have been really tough on his sleep and I don't know about yourself but I mean there was a lot of nights you know where I was breastfeeding um and yeah that breastfeeding as well no one really prepared me for the challenges no, of breastfeeding especially for um most things I actually had a friend that called uh, a dear old friend that called me about two or three months before he was born and just said right obviously I haven't seen this girl in years we've been out of the country haven't spoken in years right I'm going to tell you all the things that nobody tells you are you ready <laughs> all the gory stuff about um what I would yeah. really need to take to hospital with me and afterwards and this the situation in the uh two weeks afterwards and told everything she's like and make sure you pack this and this and you don't want your husband leaving the hospital to go and get this because that would be embarrassing and you're gonna need to pack 
10 of these and these and these and this is gonna hurt and this is gonna hurt and I was like wow thank you I really appreciate that um she was the she was the girl who you know when we were six seven years old or whatever she was the one that always had tissues in her handbag you know she was always prepared for every every situation <laughs> everybody needs someone like that so, in their life really that's really, brilliant really appreciate it um but yeah loads of things that people don't um prepare you for so I've just been trying to be real with my friends who just had the babies after me but also not put them off because I don't want to be like oh this is terrible this is terrible but I just just give them a little heads up oh by the way you know you are going to be really sore for a couple of weeks and it's going to be really difficult to move around and you're going to be in in and out of the shower all the time and just be prepared for that and have lots of paracetamol in the house and you know the things that people just don't tell you that you're going to feel like somebody has need you in the nuts about 50 times and (laughs) yeah just just a little bit but teething is something you hear so so much about but I I mean I haven't even experienced it yet I'm not there yet with him he's not shown any miserable signs just yet so that's really good I mean I think the thing is with teething (laughs) I mean in general with everything every baby is so different every child is so different and I think you know you know the best thing to do is not compare to anyone else but obviously of course you know sort of take the tips that you can um for certain you know things and i mean teething doesn't bother all babies some babies are getting their teeth with no pain at all and they just sort of carry on normally but i think what i found is my little babies had it probably the worst i've ever seen you know it's a and he's constantly dribbling chewing his um fingers he won't want to chew on any toys either um so i keep trying to encourage you know the, the, the matchstick monkey or the giraffe sophie the giraffe or any of the ones i put in the fridge he just won't have them um and there's times where he just screams in pain and you just it breaks my heart you know because i feel I've, I've done everything i can and i speak to the you know health visitor or different you know different people about this and they just say you're doing all you can but it's like it's that mum feeling like guilty like this must be something yeah, else i can do like you I want it to go away, you know, I give him so many cuddles and there's so much conflicting advice. I think, you know, I spoke to so many different people about, you know, even this co-sleeping, you know, I, I had to co-sleep for um, quite a few months when I was breastfeeding because I just wasn't, he was waking up so regularly, I wasn't getting any sleep um, and he wasn't getting real, you know, proper sleep because he was just in pain and waking up quite a lot. You know, and and, it, and it's tough because you hear different opinions, oh, you know, and all the time. And I just think, I think what I've learned is, is just you've got to do what's best yeah. for you and what works yeah, for you. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. And With and I think, I think you can take both sides, yeah. then add your own baby into the mix, make a measured decision, and do what keeps everybody the happiest and safest and healthiest, and um, and then not put that judgment on anybody else or say well I did this and I did this but you you know you can offer that support I appreciate when people say tell me what they did but you know not to a point where they're telling you what you should do I want to hear because I want to hear all the ideas and all the options I want to then measure that up and decide what's right for our family Um, I did co-sleep a lot over the first three months and um I loved it. It was beautiful. Um, apart from my, it's so good for the bonding as well, isn't it? Shoulder. 
um, yeah. <laughs> just sleeping funny positions, but actually having implemented a little bit more of a sort of nap schedule um, in the day and to create more consistency at night, I stopped doing it because I wanted him to be able to kind of soothe himself back to sleep when he wakes up and um, in the last sort of three weeks I've only really only actually did it at the night he had his last set of vaccinations because there was no soothing him at all um, so yeah I, I wanted to try and get away from boobing him back to sleep which I noticed when we were coasting yeah, and I, could, you know he could just have it mm-hmm. on tap um, <laughs> they can smell you, can't they? And it, it makes it it makes it difficult. I mean, I was the same. Like Zach's net, and he's now sleeping, you know, in his own nursery, and he is in a cot. And actually, I did the same. You know, I stopped breastfeeding, and he's he's now able to settle himself. You know, um, much better. And I mean, I had to do that myself as well because I just wasn't sleeping. And sleep is so key, <laughs> I think, to everyone. But then um, the next mom who wants to co-sleep until the the child is whatever age you know even six seven eight Mm -hmm. like if that works for her that's the thing I'm I'm learning is yeah that's working for me now to pop him in his Mm -hmm. own he's I mean he's right next to me he's in the next to me crib he's not like in another room or anything but that is giving us both much better sleep but the next mum might want she might want to co-sleep and she might not mind whether she gets disturbed or not that might be like the best Thing she's ever experienced in her life and so she should carry on exactly that, totally and if she doesn't mind being exactly. woken up over and over and over again that's fine it's different for me I have to work so I need to be able to function in the day but if I was not working and I was able to just kind of chill with the baby like all day or you know my husband is absolutely amazing at doing all the work around the house and the laundry and he's just been keeping the world spinning around me to be perfectly honest um that is so supportive that's so, so lovely lucky. <laughs> but you know there yeah. may be someone who doesn't have that and has to do a lot of that themselves maybe the baby doesn't go down for naps in the day it's just so different and so every single mom has to just do whatever works best for her taking all the information in being being safe so true so true I think I think I think mum guilt is so real I never really understood it when people used to say oh I feel guilty about this and that and you know I didn't of course you know now I understand this mum guilt I mean you know actually for me Zach wasn't napping in the day really at all even though I was trying to encourage and trying to you know with white noise I would try and make sure that um, he was in his sleeping bag and I would always try and I've always done a routine you know have a little story um, have the lights dimmed down and I would try everything I'd try him in the car I'd try him in the buggy I'd try him in the car but he just wouldn't sleep in the day and I think I found myself getting more stressed out by hearing what he should be doing. Yeah. You know, you'd read a book <laughs> yeah. or you'd hear another mum on the cat's like, oh, my baby's napping three times a day. They've got a nap after two, three hours. Oh, if they're not napping, then they'll miss that nap window. And, um, you know, you get some apps out there to track stuff like this as well. Oh, your baby's due its nap now. And um, and I, I, found, I don't know if it was because of the, the really bad teething and silent reflux and colic, actually. I should mention that. Um, that he just couldn't get comfortable to sleep because he was in so much pain with it all. Um, what made it tough is when I went to the hospital for these things, he would show up and then they would do the observations and check him and he'd be absolutely fine. 
but at home he'd be you know he obviously was screaming and really uncomfortable um and it's it's it was really tough because I wasn't sleeping in the day then, you know, people say, oh, nap when your baby naps. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's not actually napping. You know, I can't nap when he naps. I mean, I've turned it around. He's actually got his, um, I've managed to get the teething and the silent reflux under control, um, which is brilliant. So he is actually sleeping now in the night. In fact, he's sleeping through the night, should I say, mm. um, which is great a result. I hadn't expected that, but um, that was just, just started happening after managing, I think, the pain. Um, and he does nap in the day now, but the first few, you know, the first six months, that wasn't my reality, you know, and I thought babies just sleep, yeah, you, you know, this is what happens. Tired, they just drop um, off, but that's not true. Actually, um, in when there was a bit of a relief in lockdown, um, I went down to visit some family and friends when we were allowed to start traveling again, because um, obviously, again, I haven't seen these people for years. Um, got back to the country, still couldn't go and visit anybody, couldn't see my family. Um, and I saw a friend that had a six month old and she only stuck around for kind of an hour and a half, an hour maybe. Um, and she said, I'm really sorry, I've got to go. Little one needs to nap. And when, when she had left, I kind of thought about it and was like, I thought that you could just take your baby anywhere and sort of have them just yeah. nap. And I thought, <laughs> I hope that I'd, in, in a way I was kind of like, well, I hope I don't become so enslaved enslaved to a schedule that I can't spend a bit of time with my friends but then my other friend explained to me she was like you you've got to realize like this is a lockdown baby this girl has been putting her little one to sleep for months in a dark room in certain conditions she hasn't been going out and about the baby hasn't seen people that is how it knows how to sleep and so for it to be healthy and happy and for her to have a peaceful evening day afternoon whatever like she needs to go and take that baby to the to that in particular that particular environment and I just see that in myself so much now because same situation we don't go out anywhere he doesn't get to experience being in a noisy coffee shop or restaurant or around at somebody's house or um and then getting sleepy and, and napping anywhere and everywhere which again some people do some people don't doesn't matter it just whatever suits your lifestyle do whatever's right for you but um I'm now having tried to kind of sort my nights out by organizing the days I am very much like mm-hmm. okay well he needs to go upstairs into the dark room now <laughs> yeah yeah no I feel you I'm exactly the same now it's like 9 15 he's had breakfast right he's going and down for his morning now out, you know I have tried to do things it's like his eyes are nearly bleeding with tiredness like I need he's looking at me like I need to sleep but I just don't know how I don't know how to do it here out and about doing there's too much stimulation there's too much going on and um I think that that is a a bit of a problem with with lockdown and and youngsters if if you did need them to be able to get themselves to sleep and sleep anywhere everywhere and fit in with what you need to do that's just not possible now because they're so conditioned to their naps happening in certain ways in one house in one room yeah because you're used to staying in all the time and I mean that's how I'm I'm feeling you know it's like you have the morning nap and then before um I know it it's time to have lunchtime you know and then I start thinking about the afternoon nap and before I know it you know it's like two three o'clock and it's gonna you know and I end up just going around in this circle every day wanting to do something but then also cooking as well of course um because he's now he is now eating and weaned um 
that's another conversation <laughs> weaning in itself. But I, I think, you know, ultimately, um, you know, I end up feeling really guilty. I'm, I'm quite an active person. I remember you talking to me about how you're a doer, you know, and I'm the same. I like to do things. I like to travel and I like to um, do exercise and meet other people for coffees. And I just think to myself now, I don't know if it is lockdown or if it's just, you know, I have no idea, but I feel like I'm in this situation where we just, you know, everything's planned around naps or everything's planned around mealtimes. And I just think, how would this work, <laughs> you know, outside of lockdown where I can, I can go back to almost, um, I say my identity, you know, I don't know if that's possible, you know, how do you get your sort of, you know, yourself back a little bit while also, you know, meeting everything mm. you need for your baby. Um, you know, because that is so important, you know, this self-care, because you need to be the best you can be for your baby, um, which means looking after yourself, of course. But if that looking after yourself means going out for a run, how does that fit in, you know, with, um, yeah, when your baby won't nap <laughs> in the buggy, for example? Or <laughs> I think that I was expecting from early you know? parenthood a lot more sharing it with a lot mm -hmm. more people so I was expecting more people to mm -hmm. be popping over for snuggles and during that time I could you know fix my hair or sort my nails out or organize something or clean something um, as I said my husband's been phenomenal so taking care of the house that's you know we do that teamwork but um amazing but mm -hmm. just yeah they like said all the other things I got there's so many things you have to just stick to the bottom of the pile and go that is not a priority for this season my my the season I'm in right now and the identity that I have right now is to be the best mum that I can possibly be and if I can fit some of those other things in then I'll fit them in when I can and if they are essential to my health and my baby's health, I'll I'll put them at the top of the pile. But if it's something that just that can wait until they're a little bit older, you know, I'm looking at little bits of the house. I've done bits of DIY, like when he's down for a nap, I'll quickly, because we had tenants living in our house while we were abroad for several years and we came back and it, you know, it wasn't in terrible shape, but things need updating and things need freshening up and cleaning up and, um, and it was, yeah, you of know, course. You, you look Absolutely. at things every day going, I'm itching to get this done. This would have taken me an afternoon before. Now it's taken me like four or five weeks. But I've just been doing a little bit here and there and not stressing myself out over it. And a friend just reminded me, like, are these essential things that you're worried about? Or are they <laughs> non-essential? And it just made me take a deep breath and go, yeah, you're right, actually. My priority each day is to do some kind of exercise. Yeah, definitely to do if I've got some work I need to do but ultimately yeah like he he needs to take priority and I'll never look I can never look back and regret missing missing out because I you know if I put his needs first I'll you're not going to regret missing a couple of workouts here and there or missing a little bit of DIY but you are going to regret missing his development and being there and loving him the best you possibly can and keeping him safe it's not putting in compromise absolutely absolutely I mean absolutely I mean that that bonding that attachment that happens in those first two years you know is so important and that is just literally you you know all, all, all the baby needs is it's you know is it's um carer you know whoever that is but you know as your um you know as a mummy you know that, that's all your baby wants actually that time that you give them um and I think it, yeah you are doing the best by doing that actually you know putting 
putting them first. But I mean, obviously, you need to be happy. I mean, we all need to be happy as mummies for our babies to be to be happy as well. You know, they feed off that energy. And I think, you know, I think sometimes I always feel my own well-being. Maybe this has been before I had him. I always used to cope with going for a run, you know, to just let off the steam. And um, yeah, I think it's I think it's just I think it's harder when you've got a challenge like having problems with sleep, you know, and baby not napping in a buggy, I think that it makes those things a little bit harder. But yeah, you, you know, you make these sacrifices, don't you really? Um, and I think, yeah, like, 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 like you said, you know, when they're older, you can get yeah. that back. Yeah. Cause, because it's... You don't want to regret any... I mean, 100%, I agree. You don't want to regret anything, you know, and that's why I think living in the moment and really just in... I think lockdown in some ways, even though it is very tough, I think it's giving a lot of opportunities, really. Um, people working from home. I think you said you're working from home, yeah. right? And your husband also. Yeah. So, yeah. so you guys can have that time, you know, that you may not have got before um, with your baby, which is literally going to be giving the most amazing, yeah. amazing attachment. That is you know, I'm really, for, really grateful for. for really. Actually, a friend in the US, they go back to work so fast. They go back after about six, six weeks or something. Um, or yeah. Three, three months or something. I think it's less than that, actually. It was, it was about... Yeah, yeah, it really is. She was about to go back to work and she got the call to say that because of COVID, they'd now be working from home as of pretty much the day she was due to go back and she was able to be at home with her baby for like another four months, which is absolutely, absolutely amazing. <laughs> amazing, amazing. And this is what they need. They need that time. It's so important, you know, for them as well and... and yeah their connection to you you know their future connection it's really it's really key and you can't you can't ever look back you know i think at photos i mean i, I feel like i'm constantly <laughs> taking photos my phone is i've paid for the extra storage on the cloud constantly <laughs> yep yeah yeah i have to do you've got to do it i did the same you know you really need to because i think just remembering even if it's a really small thing you know just taking a picture of you and them together so when they're older you can look back and even now you know with my you know zach i'm constantly showing him little pictures and um you know who's this is and who that is especially if i'm not with those people you know i'm trying to show him um relationships with people that I haven't seen or that since I've had him you know that's that's tough um look at pictures of him when he was tiny and but go, you know I think we're all how was that how how did you get from that to that <laughs> I, it, it just happens so quickly doesn't it I mean uh, you know um it's it's madness you know how quickly they are uh, you know children grow really and um, but it's just enjoying each development I think step and stage and not comparing it to what other people are yeah. doing or other children because you know um what's important for me even right now um as a mum but also as a teacher is is that I've never been a tick box person you know I don't look at children and tick box and say right they're doing this this and this you know for me it's about that child feeling happy, feeling um, confident, you know, feeling that they can follow their interests and what they want to, you know, achieve basically and learn. Um, again, that's probably another episode one day, <laughs> talking about all of that, um, having worked abroad and doing things very, very differently with um, childhood education. That That is coming up in the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think, the most important thing yeah it's just it's just you really looking after yourself and being there and I think sometimes I mean at the moment I I, sometimes I just feel so guilty that I'm just not doing enough with him you know um which is horrible because 
people say, oh, you're doing so much. But, you know, I don't know if it's, again, that mum guilt. Oh, you know, I'm not leaving the house enough or, you know, I should be... I should be making more effort to meet up with maybe other mums, but then I realise we can't meet more than one person. Um, it's tough, you know, living a, li- living abroad for a long time. Um, I guess I lost, I lost, um, uh, you know, connection with the UK a little bit. I've got some friends, but they don't really live where I'm living in the area, so it's it's tough. I think. I think you're, you know, obviously lucky having some friends around the you know yeah. that have had babies at the same time I think maybe where I'm struggling is that I've not I've not had that really a lot of my friends are still in different parts of the country and world um and I think that that's what's you know is really challenging is is that those those relationships aren't aren't sort of you know when you move to a new area aren't really there um and then I expected to go to all these baby groups and maybe meet other mums and you know build up that social network for for you know me and my baby as well um of course I'm still traveling you know with work and so forth but um I I sort of saw myself doing that um I think you know that's what's really challenging yeah is now I sort of think about the social impact of of lockdown really you know I mean he's a really social baby and he's really happy but I sort of think I don't know, will it have an impact on the way children are social, like they are going to socialise, yeah, you know, I'm, later on in the year? Or how we're stunting their development by not allowing them to socialise with other, with other babies. Like, again, that's something that I'd really Other babies, you know, yeah. Early parenthood was to be able to be around other and see him interact with other babies and we're just not getting to see that or have him experience... I don't know whether that will impact, like you said, their development. We don't know. Not, not, not like I mean, not a sort of at the at the young stage that, um, like four months, five months, six months. It's not really a problem like that. I think it's more sort of when you're going into the, you know, one, two, yeah. two years sort of bracket. You know, I'm sort of more thinking now at that time, how long lockdown's going to last? You know, is that going to be impacting for the next year? Really. Um, that's more worrying I feel um you know if your child isn't going to like a nursery or a setting where they're going to be regularly seeing other children you know it's obviously then important that you're trying to do that but when you can't it's you know it's frustrating because I'm you know I mean he you know he is seeing uh, my support network and family and obviously seeing people over the phone but it's not the same as seeing other babies and going to the playground and you know having play dates and things like that um, but hopefully it won't have an impact. I just think that's a, maybe a worry. I don't know if other mums are experiencing really thinking that as well, you know. Um, or if it's just, if it's something that, you know, I'm, you know, that I'm worried about really. Um, I don't know. I think for my professional career, you know, in the early years, I've seen children who um, have really f- fitted in when they're three, four years old and you come to a setting and, you know, maybe they've not had lots of social interaction. Yeah. So hopefully it's not going to be a big problem. Probably more than anything, they're just going you know. nuts because they're stuck in the house with their little ones. <laughs> I think it's more, I think as a mum as well, I think it's more, you know, having that support network face-to-face and going and, and just being able to speak on a daily basis with other, you know, other mums and maybe share the things that, you're going through not on an online platform just like face to face you know in those real moments of oh I don't know my baby you know um, 
yeah, like again, is teething really badly today or, you know, they've done this today. I don't know. Like they're trying to stand up on the sofa and they're trying to climb them up and, you know, pull themselves up and, you know, silly things. Like that. But I guess, I guess the development milestones, you know, things that they might be doing. I and you can just sort of really, really, really hard talk about it. You know, like yourself, the single ones, because I get to share every little development with my husband I guess yeah say, I think probably oh, did this. Oh, did yeah this. yeah and it's just silly little things but it's like oh my goodness you have to see the space that he made and I get to share that joy and I've never really thought about that but it must be so difficult if you're on your own and I think this I think this is one of the I mean for me this whole podcast I'm running um you know is going to be sh- featuring lots of different episodes to do with the early years it's going to just be talking about all different ways, you know, of earlyhood, like early childhood education. Um, and it's going to be, I've got a lot of professionals that I work with, you know, and it's going to have lots of different topics. But I think one thing I hadn't ever considered as a professional was single parents, actually. Um, I knew they, they existed. And I, you know, at university, we learned about different types of family. And, you know, I guess it's quite an honest chat with you, but, you know, I come from quite a nuclear family. You know, my parents have been married 35 years um, and I've got a lot of family that have always, yeah, got married and had a child. And I found myself in a, a situation I hadn't really planned for um, while I was pregnant. And uh, yeah, anyway, it, it's it left me as a single mum and it, it's um, that's why I came home to the UK as well. So it's been really tough because... I left behind almost my life in another country that I miss a lot. And um, I have a very close family here, which is why I came back to the UK. Um, And I do share with them. They share with me a lot of things. You know, they're very close to, you know, to Zach. Um, And I think grandparents in itself is a really big role, you know. Um, I know lots of people wouldn't have maybe, a lot of of babies haven't seen their grandparents, you know, depending on where they live in the world and country. But I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that one positive's come out of this is that I know that he's got a good relationship with his grandparents. Um, but one thing I'm finding really hard is not having yeah. that partner, um, particularly Valentine. You know, today, I mean, I know Valentine's is just a, a day out there in the year, and it's what your partner does. Yeah, happy Valentine. Uh, it's so silly, like Valentine's. It's not a big deal, you know. In the past, I've obviously, um, you know, celebrated it when I've been with people, you know, where there's been love. And but I think being a first-time mum, being a new mum, and just having even today really set me off a bit because I just thought I should be like, like loved and treated like lovely. I'm mum now, you know, and sharing love with someone, and it it really hit me, you know. I think sometimes it's really hard you know when you're having those days where mum motherhood can feel challenging I I have no one who can sort of take over that responsibility or can I just go take that bath while you know you go and I don't know um put the baby down for a nap or something you know I, I don't have that option and I think I mean I will be doing an episode on obviously like different types of parenting single parents but I I think I'd be honest about the fact I'm a single mum and it is it is more challenging for sure you know I think I think even more so that I think when you're a single mom and I'm sure single moms will be listening out there or single parents will be listening um you know you need that you need sometimes 
questions answered more because you've got no one to bounce yeah. sometimes you know living with you day to day no, no one to bounce off of you know just to reassure you oh that's okay don't worry you know and oh have, have you tried this or you know it could, could, could be anything like you said you know baby takes a step and does something yeah. and you're like so excited to share it um in the moment and I think this is definitely not how I planned my journey as a mum and my I always plan to do it with the right person and it's it really hasn't worked out like that but I you know I'm grateful every day that I've got a happy healthy baby and I love him more than anything it's just um yeah you know you sort of think to yourself there's no other way to be other than <laughs> other to stay positive and be grateful and just kind of you know move on and do the best you can um so about the support I mean my our little one hasn't met any of his grandparents. Yeah, he's hasn't met hasn't met my um, our families. It's just I don't know how old he's going to be by the time he actually gets to meet meet his you know all of his cousins and his aunties and his uncles and everybody. Yeah, I, I mean, are, are they people that like you know um, you've you've seen a lot of in the past, like and you, you know really close off, obviously after living abroad, or has it sort of been you know sort of distant since you moved abroad, or well, it, it hasn't mattered? It's still just we as close in different parts of the country anyway. So whether we were overseas or not, it's not like we would see each other a lot. Um, but something living in the US taught, teaches you is that um, distance isn't as far as you think it is you know you drive a long way just to go to the grocery store if you wanted to go to a certain one or you drive 45 minutes just to pop to a friend's house and it would be no big deal and um so when we got back we were like driving exactly. to Wales or Southampton that's nothing that's only five hours we could go there and back in the day <laughs> no no not. Uh, but yeah I've had the opportunity to go and do that yeah so that's kind of sad but um you will do you will do it definitely will happen I think that's why photos are so yeah. important so at least you can share those and spamming my you know every day <laughs> your little one will be able to meet them in the next yeah hopefully in the next couple of years you know hopefully I say years you know hopefully you know they will be able to meet and then it will be all fine you know as, I think as long as these relationships are built you know in the first five years that is the most important the first five years um, then that's all that matters really is those those relationships are I made in that time really um I think lockdown should finish by then <laughs> with any yeah you know because I know obviously we keep going in and out of it but you know I think hopefully you know it's not going to last too much longer mm. that's why I keep telling myself but uh anyway so it's been great speaking to you um thanks for listening you know and everyone out there um and yeah thanks so much for coming on today I really appreciate it I hope you've enjoyed yourself. You're welcome. Um, Yeah, and stay tuned for the next episode. And yeah, we'll uh, speak to you soon. Bye.